Heads up, Easter is early this year, so get everything you need to host for Sunday, March 31st. Pastel outfits for the whole family, Macy's has you covered. Macy's also has Toys R Us Easter basket goodies, from books to stuffed animals and even slime. Find it all in-store and online at Macy's.com. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around. A lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Okay, well, super excited to have you here with us today, Robin. And before we really get into things, I just want to first tell you why I admire you so much. I mean, I have for a really long time, but really felt connected to you after I read your book, Everybody's Got Something, because in 2014, I lost my mom to cancer. And she's someone that when she was at MD Anderson and diagnosed for the third time, she went to the chapel and said, Lord, use this cancer for good. It wasn't, Lord, heal me. It wasn't anything selfish. It was the most selfless prayer that I've heard. And uh, he did use it for good. And her message was joy when she was battling it. And her message after has been joy. And we've been able to use that as a movement called Pimp and Joy for her. But it made me think when I was reading your book, oh my gosh, she made her message, which, you know, you talked about from your mom. And so for me, it was really cool to read what you were saying and it helped me keep that positive perspective and then also keep my mom's message of joy alive because then it gave her cancer journey meaning and it just really helped me like a lot so just wanted to start off by saying thank you for your wisdom and your encouragement and your optimism because it meant a lot to me and still does and can i say this to you though the outcome 
wasn't what you hoped for and prayed for with your mother. Her journey, every bit is valiant, every bit is powerful, every bit as, as my journey. There's no difference. I sometimes have survivor's guilt a little bit in that I'm so eternally grateful that for whatever reason, I was able to get through the cancer, not once, but twice. And when I hear stories like your mom, and I, I just want to tell those people who are here carrying on for them, I don't like it when people say, so-and-so lost their battle to cancer. No, they didn't. As my dear friend Stuart Scott said, your mother beat cancer in the manner in which she lived and how you are carrying on her, her legacy. So I just want to thank you for doing this and for making your mother's mess, not only her message, but your message as well. Bless you for that. Oh, well, and thank you for that shift in how I say it, because words are so important. Yes. Words matter. And I feel like I'm one of those people that has often said, just without really thinking about it, she lost her battle. So again... Look at you shifting my perspective to positivity, of course, which, you know, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about because you do such a wonderful job every morning on Good Morning America, bringing positivity into people's homes. But then also on your Instagram, you've got what, like Motivation Monday and Wednesday Wisdom and Thankful Thursday, like something for basically every day of the week. And when the world is so crazy right now, I mean, we have different ups and downs in life, but it's especially heavy right now. What is your advice to people and, and my listeners that may need your type of positivity and encouragement and uh, the reminder to choose joy during all of this? And to choose joy. Um, and I have a placard that I'm going to show you. Uh, it's sweet Amber will we'll get it for me. My mother, my mother had, much like your mom, she stays with me. My mother's not physically here with me. But she had choose uh, happy sorrow. That um, it was after my father passed and we were all just, just could not even function. And she said, we're going to be sorrowful, but let's, let's think of those happy times that we have him and, and choose a happy sorrow. So I, I think a lot about that. I'm not sure. It's somewhere around here. I know it's probably downstairs. We probably used it for the morning show at some point, happy sorrow. But what I do is much like, first of all, I'm just trying to keep up with you and Bobby with your positivity and what you're doing in the morning. So I'm just, I'm just, we're just trying to keep up with you at, at GMA. But it's, it's to be real with it, Amy. I, I often, I, I, I'm tickled sometimes when somebody will reach me on, on social media and said, you look sad today. And I was like, I was talking about death and famine today. I'm not going <laughs> to smile falsely. But so when I do smile, when I do share, um, it comes from the heart. And it is, my, my mother taught me that we learn so much more through the trials and tribulations as opposed to the joy. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but I was none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and ne'er a word said she, but all the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. And that's why I try and impart during this time with people. We don't want to be, I don't want to be sheltered at home, but I know it's the right thing for me to do given my uh, underlying conditions and such and what's going on in New York City. But you can find light and darkness. And you got to look for it a little bit harder. But because, Amy, I have been in the habit all the time since I was young, optimism is like a muscle that gets stronger with use. You know, like you, you, I know you, you're, you're, you're a health addict. You know, when you want to work on something, you, you know, you work on your muscle, we build it. It's the same thing with optimism. Because I have gotten in the habit of doing that, that when these tough times come along, um, it's not easy, it's easier. 
it just makes it a little bit easier to get through it. Right. And I love uh, your honesty with people, too, that it doesn't mean just because you're choosing joy. And that's something I had to remind people about being my mom's caregiver. I think some people of our listeners saw the message of like, oh, wow, y'all are pimping joy, choosing joy, all about joy. You got joy tattooed on your wrist, like just joy. And I said, well, okay, I don't want to be misleading. Our overall theme is joy, but this has been, there have been some very, very, very hard days. And I'm currently, my sister and I are now a caregiver for my dad. And there's, there's highs and lows, but again, with him, we're trying to keep the joy, but but it's like you also have to be real that it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be sad or have bad days or just give yourself no. that permission. Actually, you need to and feel it. And, you, and it's good to share that as well. You have to share that time because if not, you give the false impression to people that you're always like this. And that's not the case. We have our, our bad days as well. But I love when you posted the picture of your dad through the window. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. follow you. I follow you. I, I, oh, I see okay. You. But it was, I, I promised all of my people in my life I would be cool and calm and collected. So no. I'm trying to keep my composure. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned your words of wisdom earlier. Uh, you know, make your mess your message. That's huge. I love it. And you've been beyond gracious to to let us all in to some of the toughest times, also some the good, but the good and the bad, the hard and everything that you've been through. and through all that you've learned in your, your journey or your mess, like mm-hmm. what is your message? That we're all stronger than we know. I'm sure you never thought losing your mother and the battles that you've had and being becoming a mother, that you could find joy. And that's what I try. My message to everyone is that you, you have this, I want to be a mirror. That's what I want to be. So all the things that you and others say to me, I want to be a reflection and say right back at you tenfold. But I didn't know losing my mother, my father, the two most important people who first and foremost taught me about being disciplined, about determination, and more importantly, the Lord, the 3D, discipline, determination, and the Lord, that when my parents left me, when my hometown was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina, when I went through cancer not once, not twice, that I would be here right there at this moment and to be able to still find joy. So my message to people is we're all stronger. I didn't know I had that strength within me. And you don't know until you're put to the test what is inside of you. And so that's why I say to everybody, we all, everybody's got something. We divorce, unemployment, sickness, uh, death, all these things happen. And that's not the tragedy. It's why did this happen? What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to more importantly share with this being path put in my path? What can I learn from it and share with others. And I think that is my underlying message to people is that we have this all within us. I didn't know I had it either. And I guarantee that people don't know that they have it within them, but I'm here to tell them they do. Yeah. You're like, I'm taking in everything you're saying right now. I'm like, oh yeah, she should, she's pretty good at this. She should probably do a masterclass or something, which you have. <laughs> and I, my friend Chase sure. took your masterclass. He he has already completed everything, and he's emerged uh, a new Chase. He's basically Robin Roberts, <laughs> and I'm a little jealous because I haven't taken it yet. Haven't had the time, but I will be signing up and taking it as soon as I can. And so, for you, uh, what prompted you to 
to join Masterclass. Oh my goodness, I was flattered that they asked me in, in the first place. And what I was very excited about is when they first approached me, I was like, oh, you know, I, I enjoy being a journalist, don't get me wrong, and being the communicator, but I don't really think of myself as a teacher in that regard. And they said, no, we want you to teach a class on authenticity. And I'm like, sign me up, how to be an authentic and genuine communicator. And I was like, that's great because I don't care if you're a broadcaster, banker, lawyer, I don't, any line of work, you're going to benefit yourself and others if you're true to who you are. There's no better, no one is better at being you than you. And so it was really exciting to teach this class. Never thought uh, Professor Roberts said I would teach this class. And it's all about being genuine, listening, your body language, all these little things that we take for granted. And just trying to show people that why not, you know, especially during this time, when I don't like the phrase about social distancing. It's physical distancing, but let's be socially connected. Let's always be socially connected. And so this is my way of trying to just kind of show people some things that have worked really well for me. I'm lowering the ladder and letting people climb up because so many lowered the ladder for me, men and women especially, to help to empower me. And um, I'm just really grateful. So just trying, to, just trying to share some pearls of wisdom with people to help them to be able to authentically live their life, whatever that is they choose to live. Oh, well, again, I'm not joking when I say I'm signing up to take it, or I'm not just saying that because you're on here. Like, it's safe to say I'm definitely <laughs> taking it, and I cannot wait. Okay. So only heard great things. So I'll be, maybe uh, some of my listeners will do it too, and it can be like a thing we can talk about on the podcast is all the things we learned from, from Masterclass. So now that I got some of the other stuff out of the way, I have a few hard-hitting questions. Okay. Just a few. Now, do you hit the snooze button? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So I want just once you, because in your book, you mentioned it. I can't even remember where, but I remember it coming up and I felt like Robin feels me because I felt so judged for being a snoozer for so long. I would intentionally set my alarm earlier so that I could snooze. And people, I would just hear from people that successful people don't snooze. And then when I read that you did, I was like, well, wait a second. She's super successful. Uh, of course I snooze. Uh, who doesn't? Anybody who doesn't, who says they don't, I don't believe them. I mean, come on. That's, that's a gift. It's kind of like I almost get upset if I, I, I love to wake up and, and look at the clock and still see that I have like, you know, like a half an hour or 45 minutes or something to, to, to still sleep. I never can sleep all the way till the alarm goes off. But I get really excited. Like, oh, my gosh, I still have 30 more minutes and then it goes off and I'm like snooze because you know it's just it's just like it's kind of like a little gift that you give yourself but I never thought about actually setting my alarm earlier so I can justify the snooze that's that's something different well I mean I would I don't have the discipline as you like I I've since quit snoozing about about a year ago Bobby challenged me to quit so I quit and it's been good for me because I was I would snooze like four times oh okay well all right Amy okay now you're telling on yourself no I just 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 one snooze. Seven minutes. I don't know why those seven minutes are so precious in the snooze. But they, but they are. I can feel them. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to know your favorite country song. Oh, my favorite country song. Through the years, you've never let me down. You turned my life around. Yes. Through the years. Kenny Rogers. Through the uh. years. I love, I love, miss him. I was so sad when he passed, but I... 
Because I was a country music DJ, you know this, back in the day, WFDR yes. 14 Country, Hometown Country Friends since 1947. Not, yep, 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 yep. Shout yep. out. I shout out. So I did that um, in Hammond, Louisiana when I was in college. But uh, Kitty Rogers, anything from Kenny and Dolly, Streams in the Desert, Streams in the Desert, Islands in the Dream, Islands in the Streams, yes. I'm thinking of Streams in the Desert because that's a daily devotional that I read every morning. So I get those two mixed up. Next. Yeah, next. Uh, what are you binging on TV right now? You know, I'm not a binge watcher. I, I, I am a snoozer. The last thing I truly binged was Succession. So you good. Said, oh, my gosh. That was the last thing I truly binged. Yeah. Succession. Yeah, like I'm into that. Um, and then. Wait for another season. Please. Oh, yeah, I know. My husband and I are patiently. Do you watch Billions? Oh, yes. Very similar. Just, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, at what interview in all of your career made you the most nervous? This one right now. Shut up. That's my answer. <laughs> uh, uh, political ones always make me nervous. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a Democrat, Republican, or an independent I'm talking to. I always get nervous with political ones because that's the one that people watching, they just, man, they just, they go to their, their respective corners and it's very hard to get people uh, from different sides to come together. When the vast majority of us are in the middle, you know, we have people far left, far right, but the vast majority of the country and the world, we're kind of like, we're, we're moderates. Um, but any kind of political interview whatsoever, I get a little antsy. Yeah. No, yeah. I could see how that would definitely make me nervous. Yeah. And you made me, you made, you're my most nervous in a good way. You and George Strait. <laughs> oh, George Strait. Oh, oh my gosh. When I presented at the CMA Awards Entertainer of the Year and it was George Strait, wow. I was just like, I'm like done. And, and then and the CMAs have invited me back. I'm like, I just, I've given the Entertainer of the Year to George Strait. I'm not coming back to present. That's, that's, the, that's the math daddy, right? I know. I, well, yeah, I, I would take that. Um, so we're huge on gratitude here on Four Things. So I always like to have... Uh, guests share four things that they're currently thankful for. They can be big things, small things, in between things, but I just want to hear what you're thankful for. I always grateful for my health, especially when it's been taken from me. Um, so I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for being the daughter of Colonel Lawrence and Lucy Marion Roberts. I'm just, I, 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 every single day, I, I vote two kisses uh, to the heaven to them. I am grateful that I'm loved. And I know how to love, that I'm loved, that I'm able to return it tenfold. And there's nothing, there's nothing to be taken lightly about that. And I'm very grateful, and this is something I've had to work on, I'm grateful for this moment. I'm grateful for what I'm, what I'm, what I'm doing right now with you. I'm grateful that I can be in the moment, that I'm not thinking about what I did this morning or what I still have to do today, that I truly have been grateful that I've been able to work on just staying in the moment. And this is a beautiful moment. As excited as you were to talk with me, I was with you. I, you know, I had spent time in Haiti. I was there right after the earthquake. I helped a family from Iowa be able to find their daughter who they were in the process of adopting. They didn't know if she was alive or not. And I was able to, to link them together. And um, I still get pictures for little Maya. Um, she's so grown now, and I just really appreciate how you have lived your life. How, how you have? I love how you're. you're you know, you said empowered women empower women. You are empowering so many each and every day. 
the way you and Bobby, the way Bobby respects you. You know, we often talk about often talk about how women helping women, which is so important. It's equally important that we have men who are by our side. And that's what I learned from my father. My father, I saw how, how he treated his daughters and his son, and more importantly, how he how he was with my mom. And so we have to have allies. And you and Bobby, every single glorious morning that you are, you know, you're lifting people up, you're having fun, you're playing great, all of these things. So I am just really, really grateful that I've had this time with you. It really means a lot. And I did find, I don't know if it's going to be so backward, Choose Happy Sorrow, Lucy, Mary, and Roberts, my mom. And that's what I want to say to people. We got to choose Happy Sorrow. I love that so much. And you're so sweet. Like I, I'm taking in what you're saying and I was so much of me want to be like, Robin, stop. This isn't about me or Bobby or anything like this is um, my Robin time, but I too am being in the moment and receiving what you're saying. And that just means so much to me, especially hearing that from someone that <laughs> someone that I look up to so much in how you handle yourself in media and as a woman and a trailblazer and in all areas. I mean, before you even, my friend Mary, who I, I make these shirts with, my, my daughter did the artwork, Stashira. So this is her handwriting. And, you know, she was a huge fan of yours from your, your sports days. So she was like, she's like, yeah, yeah, but, you know, don't. I was like, well, you can give me some questions because I'm not a big sports person, just full disclosure. And she's like, no, no, just focus on what you would focus on. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So anyway, super grateful to have you on, like means everything. And you are an empowered woman to me that empowers women. And I just appreciate that so much. And before you go. I, can I get one of those? I never have asked for anything, oh. but I would love to uh, size medium, if you don't mind. Can you okay. my I'll wear it, I'll post it. And just, I think it's great. I love oh. it. Thank you. I'll send you all the things. Don't you worry. Oh, and uh, before we go and every episode during this season of life right now, I'm um, incorporating a healthcare hero shout out where listeners are submitting healthcare heroes in their life. And then we send them, we made these cute little, because the podcast is four things, four things, gratitude, four things is the theme. And so we made scrubs on, caffeinate, wash hands, repeat. (laughs) And we send them out to whoever was nominated. And when we read it, we get their address and then we send it to them. And today's, I'm going to read a whole thing about her, but I just thought if she got Robin Roberts to say what up, her name is Jessie Lutz and she's a nurse for Samaritan's Purse. And she spent two months volunteering in Italy for coronavirus. In Italy? Wow. Yes. It was so hard hit there. I'm glad I'm a nurse. I mean, they're the unsung heroes, but isn't it wonderful how we are recognizing our healthcare workers? in all capacities, how people are really now recognizing what they not. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a shame that it's taken a pandemic for the world to recognize, but that is wonderful that you're doing that. That is absolutely. Oh, well, I mean, it's the least I can do. And I think that you and I both know going through, well, I haven't been through what you've been through, but I, you know, with my parents, when you say nurses are unsung heroes at times, I mean, there's so many healthcare heroes. There's all the people involved the, the, but I mean, really, when I would see the nurses and what they would have to handle and do and everything in their, like every, the doctor would come in and the doctor would be like, okay. And the nurse is the one that had to tell him everything. I know. So anyway, I just appreciate it. I agree. All healthcare heroes and appreciate you. So thank you so much.
you just keep going, Radio Amy. You just keep doing your thing. I'm so, so proud of you. I'm incredibly proud of you and how you have yourself with such, with such grace. And just keep, keep doing, keep making your mess your message. Getting the world out there. Get the word out there, Joe. All right. Thank you. And I guess I'll see you when I take your master class and I <laughs> master all things <laughs> Robin Roberts. So appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Can't wait, Amy. Thank you. God bless. Second thing. So, Catherine, let's break down rage, and I'll use me as an example, because for me, the last couple of years, I have experienced rage. I've talked about it on the Bobby Bone Show, I've talked about it on the podcast, and I thought it was hormonal, but you, as my therapist, disagree. So, <laughs> the reason why this came up, and I thought it would be important to discuss, is because if anyone else is on a journey of letting go of something that helped suppress or numb their feelings and emotions, like I had an eating disorder. And it was about a year and a half to two years ago that I really started working on it. I read a book that changed my thinking or it was helping me work on changing my thinking. That's when I read Brain Over Binge. And then I started really putting in the work when I started incorporating some of Lisa's tips from Fork the Noise. Then I met you, you know, through Outway. It may not be an eating disorder, but you may have something else that you use to numb feelings. And when I started to take care of that problem, then I had feelings surface. Right, Catherine? Yes. And you're like, what are these things? (laughs) And then I had rage. That's how it was manifesting for me. It may come up in other ways for somebody else, but it came up recently in a session with Catherine because I was proud of myself and I had to tell her how I had, I was in a situation, details don't matter, but it sent me into this feeling of, oh, I want to slam my coffee cup on the ground right now and it's going to feel so good. But I didn't do it. And I was so proud of myself, but I pictured myself doing it. (laughs) But then my body processed it and I was able to breathe and I stayed calm and it was a whole thing. So I was telling Catherine about my progress. So let's break down, we're using rage as an example, but I assume there could be a variety well, of reactions to the feelings. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that rage looks different in different people. Yes. So where you want to throw something, some people end up being super passive aggressive and that can still be rage. It's just a different kind of rage. I can go at this a couple of different ways because what did you say when you feel rage, what do you think it means? Like what is that feeling for you? For a a while, I thought it was hormonal. So I kind of just thought it was, I was me being crazy and not being able to control anything and overreacting for no reason. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm dialing in, I see that there is a reason. And really, Mm -hmm. I was reacting to fear of Mm -hmm. my situation and Mm -hmm. that made me scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then I want to throw something like a toddler. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... And so if we backtrack, and we've talked about this before in the show about feelings and what happens to them, and you explained this right there when you said when you let go of some of your numbing behaviors, this stuff started coming up, and that's really your emotions start coming up because those behaviors are getting rid of whether it's anger, sadness, loneliness, whatever was unsafe or didn't feel good in your family, that's getting rid of that. Well, you've lived a long life of not feeling that and not really being able to recognize this is this, 
this is this. When this happens, I feel sad. When this happens, I feel scared. So everything feels overwhelming. So as you're letting these emotions come back in right now, you're like, now I can feel, but I still haven't figured out which feeling is what. It just feels like a lot, right? Right. What really, without giving the details of it, what really was happening? You said I was like a, I felt like a toddler. What really was happening inside of you? I was processing the situation. I was, Mm -hmm. I feel like my feelings were valid, Mm -hmm. but my reaction was different than maybe somebody else's would have Mm -hmm. been because I was having a response to the situation. I don't know. Is it okay for me to have that response? Or if I continue to do more work, would I not feel the anger? It was more anger, frustration, sadness, irritated, There's a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. And so what really happens to us when we, because all of us, whether we want to believe it or not, we've all had experiences of like, ah, like rageful feelings. We really dial it back and we sit and we ask ourselves what's going on. What's happening is a lot of times we're having experience now that we're matching with something that happened a long time ago. Let's say you're having a conversation with somebody and somebody's not hearing what you're saying, right? They aren't getting it. And it's like, I get so mad and I want to throw something, right? What is happening inside of you is you're attaching this feeling of they're not hearing me. They're not going to understand me. There's That's fear. That's like, I'm scared they're not going to hear me. Well, in your past, in our history, when we have trauma, any kind of trauma, whether it's big T, little T, emotional trauma, it wasn't safe when we felt fear. Like we felt fear and it wasn't safe. And so your autonomic nervous system kicks in, which is your fight, flight, or freeze. There's technically two, but really three parts to it. One is the sympathetic nervous system. That's the fight or flight. So that's the one that like revs your engine. And that's what was being kicked in when you felt that rage. The other part is the parasympathetic, and that's like your break. So if you want to describe it easily, it's like your sympathetic is your inhale and your parasympathetic is your exhale. So your inhale revs you up and gets you going. It's like, I got to fight, I got to fly, I got to do something. And the parasympathetic calms you down and slows you down. So what happened in that situation is your body started like, I remember what fear feels like, and it's not safe, and I'm mad, and I got to do something. And so that throwing your coffee down It's like, I got to do something. I got to fight. When really, you were really safe. Yeah, I was totally safe. But again, I feel like my feelings were valid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't throw the coffee, which was good progress. Mm -hmm. I, I felt calm. Even though my reaction was all of those things, mm-hmm. I, re- I was able to stay calm. So mm-hmm. is that the progress? Yeah. So that's this the goal. Is, yeah, yeah. So this is something that's just happening for you naturally, which is great. So the third part of that, that autonomic nervous system is the vagus nerve. So there's a, something called polyvagal theory, which brings in the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is something that is in your brain and it runs into the rest. It connects your organs, like your stomach and your lungs and all these things. So it connects your body to your brain. So that's why when we feel emotions, we don't just like think, oh, I'm scared. Like our body changes. So what you did is you kicked in that system because you're breathing more intentionally. I know you've talked about breathing and breath a lot. And so you you calm yourself down. You envisioned yourself doing that and you calmed yourself down. So you didn't have to act out because you told yourself, hey, hey, like I'm actually okay. I'm feeling fear, which is okay. Fear isn't always something that comes in when there's an actual threat to like my life or my safety. Sometimes fear comes in when we really care about something. So if something's happening and it's not going the way you want it to go and you start getting afraid, that's okay. That's okay that you're afraid. It's cluing you into like, hey, this is important to me. I need to address this. 
you don't need to run away. You don't need to shut down. You don't need to fight. You need to be able to communicate. Well, and just for people that might hear big T, little T, if they've never heard that before, can you just define what that is? The big T trauma is like a trauma that, like when I give somebody paperwork when they're coming to be a new client, it says, have you ever experienced trauma? Like 70% of people will say no. And then within like two sessions, they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have trauma. Because we think of trauma as big T trauma, these big shock life events, like a death, a natural disaster, being deployed, like war, a big, big, serious illness, sexual abuse, physical abuse, any of that would be like these big event things. That's what we normally think about as trauma. And that's big T trauma. The little T trauma is the more emotional trauma. So that's something that they might be smaller events, but they usually happen more than once or they're a continual experience and they can be just as damaging depending on like where you are your attachment system and all that so that could be something like just emotional abandonment it can look like emotional abuse that doesn't seem like that big of a deal like gaslighting end of relationship a lot of people yes have some sort of trauma but it might be little t even if they haven't experienced a big t and it's still going through the filter and the main thing i wanted to get across by sharing this is that if people are on the the Outweigh journey, you know, and the reason why we named the series Outweigh is because a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And Lisa and I were real intentional about that. But, you know, some people are just now finding the series and starting to listen to it. And by no means, if you listen to those four episodes, does that mean you're on some journey to ending your disordered habits with food or your body or whatever? But if it does motivate you in some way, shape or form to make a change, Mm -hmm. then you're on a journey. And eventually, once you get there, if you have been where I was, when you're in it, you're numbing all your feelings. And it may not be an eating disorder. Maybe what are some other examples of ways people numb their feelings? I mean, it can be with literally anything. You can do it with food. You can do it with substances. You can do it with work. You can do it with shopping, sex. If you have been numbing your feelings and then, but I'm using the eating disorder as a journey because a lot of you have listened to Outweigh and if maybe you're putting in the work now and that heavy weight, those shackles start to be lifted from you, then you're on another journey, which is where I am, of Mm -hmm. dealing with all these feelings that come up that you were able to suppress with whatever, you know, insert the vice. It's hard. Like that's one of the hardest parts when like you've decided I'm not going to use these things anymore, but then I have to feel this stuff and I don't know what the heck's happening. That's like one of the toughest spaces to be in because it was pretty comfortable to be able to be like, I don't want to feel this rage. I'm going to ignore all this. I'm going to go use a behavior. And you're in the process of getting to that next point. So, (laughs) so mine went from numbing it to then feeling it to wanting to deal with the feelings and throwing things felt really good to now being able to have a more calm response Mm -hmm. and to not act on the desire to throw something and then process the feelings properly like an adult. I think you said that to me during the session the other day. You were like, you know, like an adult should. And I thought, yes, (laughs) adulting is hard. But yes, that's a really good point because I explained to you, I felt like when I'm in those moments, I feel like a child. Yeah. Okay. Almost 40. Right. So I, that's, I think, an important part. And you asked to talk about the screen. And one, I, wa- I want to say about trauma, when I define it to people, I say trauma is anything that's less than nurturing. 
So if it wasn't nurturing, it could have you could have experienced that as trauma. And so you mentioned the screens, and I don't know how much people here that are listening know about that, but that's what I think of as like these belief systems that we create based on our experiences throughout our lives. And so the other day when you wanted to throw the coffee, how old did you feel? Yeah, toddlerish. Yeah. And so that's when you if you can have space to take a second what you did and exhale a little bit before you throw the coffee, you can look and see like I feel like a kid. Okay, but I'm thirty nine. So whatever's going on isn't happening right now. This is the eight year old, nine year old, ten year old, whatever age that I had that desire to shut off my feelings because feelings weren't safe. That's the experience that I'm having right now. And I have to pull myself into the present, tell myself, hey, like, I'm okay right now. There might just be something I need to say or express to somebody. So thank you, feelings, for popping up and letting me know that I need to do something. But I'm not dying. Nobody's leaving me. Everything's okay. And I'm going to, like, move through this. Let me tell you about this 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater that I got for $50. I ordered it in navy, the crew neck style, and it is perfect. I wore it with jeans and heels to work and then later in the day threw on sneakers and it was a simple outfit that got so many compliments. And something like this exists thanks to Quince. I already have the ivory color in my cart for my next order, which, by the way, I never thought I would own anything cashmere before, but since all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, it's doable now. They also have organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more that you need to check out for yourself. And here's how they do it. They partner directly with top factories. Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings on to us. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Amy. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Hi, we're brought to you today by IKEA. No matter if you live in a three-bedroom house or a tiny apartment, We all have mess in one form or another, and it takes over if you let it. 
overcoming mess can feel like an impossible task. Who has time and money for that? But the good news is IKEA has easy and affordable solves for any kind of clutter. Got that chair that seems to collect all your clothes? There's a wardrobe organizer for that. Got a monstrous mess under your bed? No problem. That's what under bed storage is for. How about that one drawer that seems to have everything and nothing in it at the same time? Nothing one of their many versatile drawer organizers can't solve. IKEA makes storage solutions that are within reach. Solutions that work for spaces of every size and shape. And for any budget. So you can confidently face mess head on and start enjoying every last inch of your home. Visit IKEA to explore more affordable storage today. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. Here we go. Third thing. Okay, so for this thing, I I want my super talented friend, Brittany Spencer, to join us and talk about what it looks like for us to reach out to people of color. And to be totally honest, I don't know Brittany terribly well, but she is in my life and have seen her. She worked at the turnip truck where I get my, my beet juice when I was drinking at a ton. And I got to tell you, nobody made it as good as Brittany. <laughs> and she was just always such a joy when I went in there and then come to find out she was a fan of pimp and joy, which was super pimp cool. And, and she's wearing her hoodie right now. And then you ran into my brother-in-law like at an airport and he, rec- he well, he didn't know you, so he didn't recognize you, but he recognized your sweatshirt and saw, hey, Pip and Joy, that's my sister-in-law. <laughs> and so then you hung out with him. And then we would see each other, I guess, again at the store. And then I thought, oh my gosh, like she's so, you're stunning inside and out. And we were doing the Empowered Women campaign. And I reached out to you and asked, hey, would you want to take some pictures for this? And you were so down and you came right over. And it was just, super cool. So you're in my mind. And obviously with everything going on, I'm thinking of all the different people in my life that are really affected right now. So I have been making it a point to reach out to each person. Mm -hmm. And whether I know them super well, or whether I know them sort of well. And I love that. I think last night when I called you to just tell you, Hey, I don't understand what you're going through, but I want you to know you're not alone. I was a little nervous to do it. Cause again, I didn't know. It's like, I don't want her to receive this the wrong way. And I'm not trying to just do this for nobody knows that I'm doing this. I'm, I'm really just trying to connect with her yeah. on this. Cause it's important. And you were so gracious and kind. And I know that I need to be more intentional about the relationships I have, especially with two black children. Like why I haven't been more proactive about making sure that I have more diverse relationships is on me. And so I've always felt a really easy connection with you, but never taken it to the next level. And I have other friends that I've lost touch with that now maybe this will bring us back together because for whatever reason, we lost touch. But it's important, I think, for people to evaluate and assess who's in my life. Like, 
Yeah. How, if I'm really confused and what's going on in the world right now, maybe it's because I'm not talking to some of the right people that are really feeling the hurt and the pain and that have been feeling it for years Yeah. and years and years and years. This is not new, but it is something about this time around is different and I'm here for it. Yeah. And I want you to share with people. And then of course I got your permission to share our conversation, but I want you to share with people what you told me last night when I reached out, you said you had another friend that reached out to you as well and kind of made an assumption. Just like a, a handful of my, my white friends that reached out to me just during the time of, of the Nashville rally and the protests and just reaching out, just kind of like what you did, just saying, hey, just um, just reaching out, just letting you know I stand with you. I don't I don't get it all the time and I will never understand what it is that you experience or may face. He assumed that like it was a lot of people and I just thought it's actually not a lot of people who've reached out to me and I'm, I don't, I'm not looking for a whole lot of people to reach out to me. The ones that do, I'm so grateful for those that have reached out and just said, hey, just checking in, just, you know, how can I be there? How can I be a part? Because sometimes those conversations lead to this conversation we're having now. It, it, and it's not necessarily resulting in, in a public conversation, but it's just an ongoing conversation, which I think is always the goal. And I just thought, and I said, man, the, the most significant thing that any of my white friends can do is talk to their white friends, talk to their family members. I think uh, sometimes race can be so hard for white people to talk about, but if we just, if, if, if white people just kind of talked about it more and actually had the hard conversations and advocated more in the rooms that I'll never probably be privy to and the conversations that people won't have because they don't want to say it while while a black woman is there, you know? They don't want to say it while a black person is there. But I'm not privy to those conversations. Those are the times to stand up the most. So when I talk to my white friends, I'm always saying, hey, you, you have you have a task. And the task is, uh, is, 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 make, is checking in with your black friends when something happens like this, because it really is traumatic. When I heard about George Floyd, it was traumatic. When I watched the video, and, and many black people haven't watched the video, and that's a whole other separate issue, and whether or not, you know, do we keep reliving the trauma of watching black people, black bodies lie on the ground and die or get killed? Um, the video of Ahmaud Arbery is traumatic. Eric Garner, traumatic. And you just, we just replay that stuff in our heads. It's not that it's just such a sad thing. We see in the context of that could be me. That could be my brother. We see the history of all of this. We see hundreds of years of just disregard for black life. Mm. So it's, it's not just a video, but the most important thing a white person can do is talk to their white friends. And I think too, just to make sure, I, I wanted you to bring up that one of your friends assumed you were getting oh, yeah. several messages. And again, yeah. you're not looking for tons of messages, but yeah. I wanna be careful for everybody listening to maybe not use that as one of your excuses because I feel like that's a thing we may have in our head is like, oh, I'm sure they've already gotten messages like I don't need to do it. Right. Or I'm sure they're getting bombarded right now. Like it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need to speak up. But mm -hmm. that's a lie. Whether they're getting tons of messages or not, it doesn't matter. You still should speak up and make sure right. that they know that you're with them. I even had my best friend from high school sent me a text message today I'm white, obviously, but my kids are not. And she sent me a note. I'm pulling it up. And we had a, a good conversation the other day, but this stuff didn't come up. So that's why she starts it off by saying, by the way, 
because I feel like she, she was like, okay, I need to say this to her. She said, I stand with your children. I stand with you. Black lives matter. Your children matter. We didn't get to talk much about this, but I'm here for you. I'm on this journey and have been for some time. Stashira and Stevenson are beautiful black children and they matter. And so she took the time as my friend to make sure just to recognize, I mean, I don't, I don't just like you, I didn't need that from her, but it's like, oh, awesome. She recognizes my children matter. And, you know, when it comes to the black lives matter versus all lives matter. Yeah. Share with me how it makes you feel when people try to disregard the black lives matter because they're on the defense that well, 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 all lives matter. It feels like cheap avoidance. That's what it feels like. It feels like an easy way to dismiss an issue to absolve yourself from it. It feels like there's no problem here. We all matter. It feels like a refusal to share space and to recognize that there is inequality, that there is a, a, just a huge level of unfairness that has that has always been at the at the man just always been present in in in, in the country that we live in and so it's, it's when i hear when i hear all lives matter it sounds like well everyone's life matters and the fact that you think that your life isn't as valued as mine that's something that you need to work out but what we've decided is that all lives matter and it's just it, it's it's a dismissal mm-hmm. the genius and the evil of of white privilege is that it keeps people not understanding each other it keeps people from not being empathetic so so uh while i'm struggling white people have no idea i was explaining to to one of my friends the other day like just one of my white friends i love her we talk all the time and we've been friends for years but we talked about beauty standards and that's what i say yeah you know growing up there weren't people that looked like me in magazines there weren't people that looked like me on tv screens and and when i did see someone that was black sometimes it was always the lighter skinned people and and she literally said i never thought about that she never once thought about how her culture is represented through society through through media through art through images through through anything because it's always there and that standard always said, this is the societal standard. This is what beauty looks like. This is what being right looks like. This is what a good life looks like. This is this is what it looks like when you are this kind of person. And that's the genius and the evil of privilege is that it keeps an entire group of people completely disassociated from the harmful and tragic realities of people of color. Right. And so when we say Black Lives Matter, people who say, oh, no, all lives matter. They don't understand what's happening on the other side. Yeah, I saw an analogy on Instagram or somewhere, and I know there's several analogies out there, but I'll just paraphrase this one real quick. Talked about how if your neighbor's house was on fire and your house was not, and you went out to your porch and you saw the firefighters putting out the fire at your neighbor's house, but you were like, yo, excuse me, my house matters too. Yeah. And you're trying to get the firefighters to come tend to your house that is not on fire right now. Yeah. Uh, you would never do that. You mm-hmm. would be like, oh, wow. Yeah. That house matters in this mm-hmm. situation. This house matters. It's deeply rooted in, in so much of what we do in society and, um, and how we viewed the opportunities that we're giving, the access that we're granted. It's hard because today systemic racism is, is everywhere. 
it's infiltrated everywhere and and trying to explain that sometimes is i think for me at least very challenging to some of my white friends but i always tell them there's google there's so many books we can absolutely have conversations and sometimes those conversations look like hey what was it like for you growing up in this school I remember you told me that you grew up in a place where your family was the only black family in that neighborhood. What was that like? Just asking really practical questions sometimes is really helpful. Just finding ways to to be empathetic and to step outside of your shoes and recognize that someone else has a life. Someone else doesn't feel like they are valued or that they matter. They don't feel like there's always space made for them. Stepping outside of yourself and recognizing that other people deserve a turn. Other people deserve equality. Other people deserve fairness. When a black person says they will pull, when they get pulled over, they fear for their life. That's not something to overlook. No, I've had three weird encounters when I've been pulled over, and it's terrifying. I'm sitting here listening to you, and I literally, I, I've been pulled over since I was 16. Well, you know, a good amount of times, mm-hmm. and I have never once feared for my life. I literally cannot relate to that at all whatsoever. So boom, perfect example of privilege right there without me ever even thinking about it until right now as I'm talking with you. Yeah. All those times, that was my privilege. The, yeah. the, the fear I didn't, the, the, what I was scared was, are you going to, how am I going to pay the ticket? Is my dad going to get mad at me? That was my fear. It wasn't what's going to happen to me or am I going to mm-hmm. get hurt? Am I going to go to jail for no reason? Am I going? Mm -hmm. And it's not all, please hear me, please, please listeners hear this with an open mind and a heart. We're giving examples. We're not saying that all police are this way and every circumstance is this way. We're talking about the fear that people have given what has happened to others. And when you, who I don't care if it's happened to one person or 500 people. If you're someone that knows it's happened to someone because of their color of your skin and you happen to have that color of skin, you're going to be scared that it could happen to you. Absolutely. My dad was a correction officer for, I think, almost 25 years before he retired. And my my like personal awakening to, to, to anything involving justice or social justice or or really the fear of, of being black. For me, that was when Trayvon Martin happened. And I went to my dad and I asked him questions. And then I think a few years later, Mike Brown happened. I went back to my dad. I was like, dad, it was an officer this time. How do you feel? And we have we had those conversations and he told me how he felt. He told me how disgusted he was. He talked about his perspective as as someone who retired working in law enforcement. He talked from his perspective as a dad. All of my my siblings, they all live, I mean, we all live in different places. I'm the only one that lives in Tennessee and I live the furthest away from home. For me, home is, is Baltimore, Maryland, which is a predominantly black city. Moving to Tennessee scared the crap out of my family. They asked me, why don't you move to Atlanta? <laughs> and I said, I don't wanna go to Atlanta, daddy. I, I write country music, I wanna go to Nashville. And he fears for me all the time. Every single phone call, my dad tells me a few things. He always says, uh, something like make sure you put your seatbelt on or something like that and then he he goes on to like just give me like tips about like if I'm if I'm ever in danger my family is terrified when I told them when I told my mom and sister that I was going to the protest on Saturday they were terrified and the first thing they said is you live in Tennessee you live in the south that's a reality for my family 
That is an absolute reality. And I'm not an isolated incident. You didn't know any of these things about me. We never talked about it. So you, you didn't know that I was going to bring all this stuff up. So it's not a, a prepared thing. That This is a, a real thing for people that look like me. And even if you haven't, even for people who look like me, people who are black, people who are brown, people who, even if you haven't experienced an injustice, you carry that fear because you always, we always feel like people that look like us are targeted or that we're such an easy target to just, to just disregard, to not care about. We don't matter as much. We're constantly just reminded of that. And now when we, when we talk about the media, well, the media for, for the, for so many of us, the media is just real people. It's a person with a camera phone who just so happened to have their phone out at the time something terrible was happening or they intentionally caught something on film. That that's, that's the, for me as a, a millennial, that's, that's our news. A lot of times it's just firsthand testimonies of saying, Hey, I saw this crazy thing today. Look at this. And when you see those images, you don't see just George Floyd. You don't just see Ahmaud Aubrey. You see yourself, you see your children, you see your family members, your friends, you see anybody that's within close proximity to you and you take that burden and it's just traumatic. And we walk around thinking, this could be my last day. Something really terrible can happen. I appreciate you opening up and sharing with me, with us. And I just hope that others will take that time and that we learn from this, that we need to take the time to hear people out and try to understand and realize, yes, like this is what Black Lives Matters is all about. And I think if you have some real conversations with people like we are with Brittany right now, you'll get it. I mean, it's good. And you'll have to continue to learn, continue to follow certain accounts on Instagram, maybe even unfollow. (laughs) What books can you download? What things can you be Googling to read? And I just feel like it's so important right now. But since Brittany was on to just be about the friend thing, I would say, gosh, it's just as simple as reaching out to someone that's in your life that you know may need to hear from you and hear you say, hey, you matter. Mm Mm-hmm simple as that it's two words mm-hmm. and actually hear them when they tell you why they feel like they don't matter mm. not with defensiveness not with something that we heard while stuck in an algorithm but just truly hear the the testimonies of people that we say we love and we care about we can't love people and then decide well i don't have to deal with that part of you we disagree no this this is a real a very real thing when someone's fearful for their life that's, that's a very real thing, and we can't disregard that. We were talking last night about Be the Change, yeah. because I had Stevenson write Be the Change, and mm-hmm. we thought, well, his this could look cute on a shirt. Stashira did the Empowered Women's shirt with her handwriting, and she loved it, and I felt like Stevenson was a little left out. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, buddy, step up to the plate. <laughs> it's your turn. Be the change. So he worked so hard and his handwriting's so great. And he's only nine years old. And, you know, I wanted to make sure and run by Brittany that the shot forward was going to put up these shirts, be the change in different skin tones from dark to light. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to make sure that the messaging was okay. Our hearts are in the right place and that we knew it would be predominantly for, for white people to wear. I sent Brittany the 
And this is a very, very, very cute shirt. But you said, I love this. The colors work so well together. The font really gives a beautiful meaning to the message. It's childlike and innocent. Feels like the font communicates that empathy and acceptance. It doesn't have to be so complicated. And that was encouraging to hear. So I love that you're putting so much thought into this. I really do. Well, it's important. I know that a lot of my listeners are white and a lot of the people that shop at the Shop Ford or Shop Espoir are white. And I want them to join us in this yeah. effort to, to mm-hmm. be part of the change and to be the yeah. change. And so, yeah, we'll see, you know, how it's received. But yeah. I think it could do well and make make a big difference for those out there that are on the front lines of this and have been for a long, long time. Yeah. And I just appreciate you coming on to talk with us and and singing at the beginning. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I really I love what you're doing. I think it's um I think it's bold. I'm just I'm grateful that you're doing it. I'm I'm grateful to know somebody that is putting in the work and journeying through because this is truly a journey. You know, when we talk about be the change, it really is a journey. You don't just wake up and you're changed. Right. It's just constantly working at something until we hopefully get it right. Even with Pimp and Joy and Empowered Women, we like to create shirts that people can put on and it's a conversation starter. Yeah. But also a reminder to the person wearing it. Oh yeah, I need to be the change. Who can I reach out to today? Who can I say hi to today? Who can I check on today? Yeah. What can I read today to educate myself? What can I post today to encourage others? Can I talk to some of my other white friends today? When I'm wearing this shirt, is another white friend going to ask me, what's that shirt about? And then, yeah, that'll give me an opportunity to talk to them about what's been going on in the news lately. Like, that's what we hope the Be The Change is, is for. So can you tell people, Brittany, where they can find your your music? Yes, you guys can find all my little songs on Spotify and uh, all the, 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 iTunes, the iTunes and Apples, all those things. Uh, my name is Brittany. B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y Spencer. S-P-E-N-C-E-R. Yeah. That's on everything. Yeah. She's at Brittany Spencer on Instagram, but then yeah, to find her music, she's there. So at least follow her and then you'll start seeing some of the music stuff she posts and you're be like, okay, okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> she's, she's a star. Aw, you're too kind, Amy. Thank you so much. So I got my girl Lisa on who you know from the podcast, but maybe you're a new listener and you don't know, but she's been on before. We also did a special series together called Outweigh, which covered disordered eating and eating disorders. And really, we just both strongly feel that a life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And we're super excited that we will be doing a season two of that. So more to come when we get closer to that. But I have gotten some DMs from people where Outweigh has really helped them and stirred up a conversation within themselves about body image and relationships to food. And they hope that we'll do a season two. So Lisa and I have talked and we are, but that's not why she's here today. I actually subscribed to her newsletter, which you can sign up for. Her website is thewellnecessities.com. And then on Instagram, she's at thewellnecessities. But I love, love, love your newsletters, Lisa. They are always gold. 
you know, sometimes you send it for newsletters and you're like, ugh, why'd I do this? Unroll me. But not with Lisa's. And she sent one out the other day and it was titled Negative Nancy No More. And honestly, kind of came at the right time for me because I really feel I was a little bit negative Nancy. So it was the perfect thing for me to see. So I thought, you know what? Lisa, I want you to come on and share with everybody your inspiration behind, you know, putting out that newsletter and why it's so important that we try to turn our thoughts the right direction and get rid of the negative Nancy. Yes. So thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. So this newsletter was titled Negative Nancy No More and how I try and live my life and what my brand is about is just mindfulness in general. But plot twist, most people who hear the word mindfulness think about meditating or a blissful state. But to me, mindful living means getting to know yourself and learning more about yourself so you can be your best caretaker. And a lot of that comes from taking care of your mind. So this newsletter in particular was about our thoughts and the power that they have over our well-being. Thoughts alone can change our entire chemistry. So when we are talking about the you know types of thoughts we have, this is not just about the mind. It's not just about anxiety. We're talking about the tension you hold in your body, the chemical state. And the truth is, is that to me, like just think happy thoughts is not something that I would, while I'm a positive person, I would never say to somebody, just think happy thoughts or kind of just like blind them with the bright side, for lack of a better word there, because that's disingenuine to who I am. And I know when I'm in a funk or feeling something, the last thing that works is somebody telling me, you know, to just get over it or, you know, kind of making light of the negative. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Like, it does not help to... I almost feel like sometimes if you're feeling in the funk, you need to recognize those feelings too because they're valid. But then we can't stay stuck there. Exactly. So just to kind of like explain that, you know, the, the point of negative Nancy no more was not just think happy thoughts. You know, I never want to invalidate someone else's or my own feelings. Because really what this is about is recognizing that all of your thoughts are real. All of them are valid, even the negative ones. But the important distinction here is that not all of your thoughts are true. And when we recognize that not all of them are true, we have begun to diffuse ourselves. Where we have thoughts, we are listening. But hey, if our thoughts aren't true, maybe I should take a second and hear my thoughts and really question them, bring curiosity into it. So, Amy, for a long time, I had anxiety. Like, if you asked me who I am, it was like, I'm Lisa and I have anxiety. That is who I am. And I was telling my husband this past week, you know, it's so interesting because it was such a part of my identity. And now, don't get me wrong, I get anxiety, but I'm not anxiety, right? So a big part of that came from really starting to listen to the voices in my head and interrupting the cycles, especially the negative feedback loops that we bring ourselves into by not saying go away, you know, negative thoughts, but rather observing, listening, and bringing curiosity to them. This was inspired by an online mindfulness course that I took back in June with Tara Brock and Jack Cornfield, who are like huge leaders in the mindfulness space. And Tara basically said that we do a lot of thinking as humans. We actually have 60,000 thoughts a day. So that's a lot of thoughts going through our head every day. But 
the plot twist here is that 98% of those are actually the same thoughts as the day before. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's the same boring thoughts over and over again, majority of which are negative. So does that feel like right for you? Like, do you find yourself ruminating on the same things? I mean, I know for me, I latch on to the negative far easier than I latch on to the positive. Yeah, I think that I, yes, can latch on to a story that is not true, which can lean negative for sure. My story that I make up for myself always seems to be this drastic scenario that probably is so far from true, but I have made it true. Kind of like you were saying, the thought is probably not true. My friend and I talked about even making bracelets. You know, my daughter Stashira makes these cute little espoir bracelets and I might go dig into her bead box and pull out Mm -hmm. the letters for not true and cute little beads and make me Mm -hmm. and some of my girlfriend's bracelets that I can pass Mm -hmm. out. And literally that way, when you have those thoughts, you can look down at your wrist and see a cute little reminder that says not true. Right. That's that's powerful. It's really powerful. And what is not true about it? Can you share with us? For me, it is something I have made up and I don't know why necessarily I go negative, but I know that it's a common thing for a lot of people to do. Do you know why we do it? Yeah. So, well, according to Tara, the reason that we fixate on the negative is basically comes from what we needed to do to survive as humans. So historically, we've lived through periods where we were in imminent danger all the time, whether an animal was attacking us or, you know, we were in some sort of life danger where we may not survive. We were constantly on alert and we were on alert because we needed to be because we needed to stay on the on the defense. So translation, keeping the negative in our minds of what could happen at all times kept us alive. Translation in the modern world, though, doesn't always pan out like that. And a lot of the things that we deem negative aren't actually, you know, helping us survive better. So. First of all, having a little bit of like compassion for yourself that like, okay, you know, I'm not broken that I hold on to these negative memories and thoughts and conditioned to do so is a really helpful way to kind of just start moving and wiggling away from the shame associated with, oh, I'm such a negative person, right? You're conditioned to remember the negative as a way to protect yourself, whether that's you've experienced some sort of trauma keeping in mind that I think, in my opinion, trauma doesn't need to be the obvious. Trauma can show up in little ways in our life and have lasting impact. Um, And we may kind of close ourselves off as a way to protect ourselves, basically. The good news is is that we don't have to live like that anymore. And we, our mind, just like our bodies, in my opinion, like they have our back. And helping me recognize that helped me begin to break free from this. So I think the question is, how do we begin to get out of our own way, especially when we feel the negativity deep into our bones, when we may even feel fearful to move away from the negative thinking because we've been kind of glued to it for so long. And I think this is kind of where you come in every day, Amy, and it's choosing joy and gratitude because that creates space and room for new thoughts that are not necessarily the thoughts that replay over and over again. Yeah, and I've said before and a million times, and Brene Brown is so good at explaining a lot of this, but there is no 
joy without gratitude. So if you're wondering like, how do I get the joy? It's practice of gratitude and sitting down and thinking of what you're thankful for. And it doesn't even have to be some crazy profound list of things you're thankful for. When you agree, it can be like the smallest things in life too. It's really just about looking up because when you're going through a storm, whether it's a bad day or a bad month or a bad six months since we've all been in this, you're so glued to the negative state and your chemistry changes. But when you look up from the place that you've just kind of, and I mean this literally and figuratively, many of us are glued to our phones where the negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions stem from. When you look up, get in nature, you know, find the littlest thing to be thankful for, find joy in something so silly. Yes, it's so much easier than you think. And there's freedom in that moment because you've broken free from this way that you think you have to be. Yeah, and there I saw a study, I wish I would have you know, jotted it down real quick, but I was reading through this article and I saw that if you're feeling down, not clinical type depression, but you're just feeling depressed in a way, you're not yourself. Oh, One of yeah. the first things that the article was saying to ditch was social media and your phone just for a little bit, not that you have to let go yeah. of it forever, but take a step back from it, maybe just for a week or so and see if you feel rejuvenated and you feel better. And Lisa, I know I I just thought of this when you were talking about it. And so I thought, well, maybe she can speak to this too, because you've done that. Like you are very intentional about putting your phone away whenever you're getting off. Let's just use Instagram. For example, do you get off your phone completely? Do you delete the app? Like how do you... Keep yourself so, committed yeah. to staying off of it. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a very a huge proponent of what I call phone-free breaks, where I personally turn my phone off. That does not mean that I'm not digital at all. Um, oftentimes when I do these phone-free breaks, I'm still working for my computer. But the point is, is that perfection isn't the goal here. And so whatever you need, tap into that. For me, turning my phone off completely rejuvenates me. Um, I just came off of a five-day phone-free detox, if you will, or phone-free break. And I can't tell you how rejuvenated I feel. And all of your fears from moving away from it vanish because your life outside of it fills up so quickly. And it, it just, you make space to be yourself again and to remember that the world is not just social media in particular. Well, and I think that's a small helpful practice because I know that most people may not do this. The biggest thing for my well-being has been to, this is a recent practice for me and I'm, I'm not, Amy, you might already do this. I now sleep with my phone in the other room. It's in my bathroom actually. No, I don't, but maybe I should start doing that. Yeah. So I've been sleeping with my phone in my bathroom for about a month. And I mean, even before this, the second best thing I've done for myself is I don't scroll before bed. Having just some boundaries, I think are really important. And so many people are focused on the morning routine. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? But in my opinion, it's what, what are you doing before you go to bed? And for me, the most important thing is to put that phone away, stop, you know, looking at what other people are doing, take the attention off of others and bring that time back to myself, whether it's reading a book or just laying in bed diddling my thumbs for 10 minutes before bed. There's nothing more powerful than making a little bit of space from it. Okay, well, just to recap, our thoughts are super powerful and we can change the story, right? Like we don't have to live in the repeat cycle of the lies. What is it that you tell yourself when you've got something not true replaying in your head? So it's a little bit different than your 
linear approach and it takes a little bit more stillness. And I bring curiosity to that feeling, to that negative feeling. So when I feel myself being angry, whether it's at myself or someone else, that kind of, that's an emotion that reads really bad in my body. It doesn't make me feel like me. So it takes a little bit more skill, but when you bring curiosity to that thought that's not true, you can gain some wisdom from it. Why are you cycling in that, okay, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of being rejected or being hurt, of being taken advantage of? What is that deep fear you really have? And when you get to the bottom of that, you find a compassion and softness for yourself that you didn't know was there, and you begin to really reshape not just your relationship to yourself, but break free from that cycle once and for all, keeping in mind that, things can totally re-trigger that habit and, and create that neural pathway again where you're going down that negative feedback loop. But when you really dig deep and get curious with it, you'd be surprised what emerges. Yeah. And the the triggers, I know you mentioned this earlier, so I just want to say when it comes to trauma, yeah, there's, we talked about this last week when Catherine was on the podcast, there's big T's and there's little T's. So there's Mm. little traumas that could be happening all the time, but maybe you wouldn't really define those as traumas until you've learned that, yeah, they actually are. (laughs) There's just not, it may not be this big, crazy life experience, but it's still things that are affecting you. Um, so just, I love being more aware and, and learning things from my friends and things that they're doing to stay positive and keep a healthy mind and practice gratitude and try to, you know, spread joy and choose joy themselves. So thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth... Let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes in a Nissan Pathfinder, search is the real adventure.
Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.